the work week, am I right? But do you know what would make it a little bit better? Doing church on a Sunday and then listening to a podcast about the sermon. Welcome to the Post-Sunday Blues, a preaching post-mortem, a production of Liberty Church Collingswood. Each week we'll spend some time unpacking Sunday sermonics, and we hope that you'll be able to connect a little deeper with the message and the messenger. It's a win, if we can make your work week a little less blue. House lights down, everybody, as is Joel Embiid. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Post-Sunday Blues, a preaching post-mortem. But we soldier on, even though our fearless leader, Joel, may be down for a little while. I haven't seen an update. We're recording on Tuesday morning. He went down last night in the game four of Wizards. Joel, get better, buddy. And if we're missing our fearless leader on the basketball court, we are also missing our fearless podcast host. Emily is taking a week off because we had Brandon Best in the pulpit, and we're going to be talking with him today. Brandon, how are you doing? Good. How are you doing? Doing fine. <laughs> I, uh, I, I should say, Brandon and I are, are recording over Zoom. Brandon, just so you're not wondering what's going on, this is the sweatiest that I've ever podcast before. I went running this morning and didn't have a proper cool down time. So Brandon, for forgive the uh forgive the appearance of the host on the other side of the of the zoom call that's fine you are wearing a a san antonio spurs shirt so that is true so my my wife emily grew up in san antonio and for a lot of years i was a the 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 bargain that emily and i made brandon when when we got married was that she would become a Bruce Springsteen fan and I would become a San Antonio Spurs fan. So my team in the West for a lot of years was Spurs. And that coincided with a lot of wilderness wandering years for the Sixers. <laughs> but, yeah. now, but now it's flipped. So the Spurs are just kind of going nowhere. And we have some we we have some hopefully good seasons of Sixers basketball ahead of us. What what's yeah. on your t-shirt? Does it say wild? Wild, wild thing. thing. Is, uh, is that a Cleveland Indians major league? Uh, it is. <laughs> wow. Yep. So I'm wearing a major league um, Cleveland Indians reference to, um, I can't think of his name right now. Charlie but, uh, Sheen. Charlie Sheen plays his character. Ricky. Is it Ricky Vaughn? Ricky Vaughn. Yeah. What, uh, uh, what, what league did you throw in? Any California <laughs> pedal? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. That's a great t-shirt. Brandon is a proud Ohio native and also the pastoral resident at Liberty Church Mainline within our Liberty Church network. Brandon has been hooking in with Liberty Collingswood a couple different ways as they've been between pastors, although lead pastors, as the, although not for much longer. Brandon has been joining me and Eric Mitchell every other week at staff meeting. Brandon's been at Liberty Collingswood. I think this is the third time that you've preached with us yep. this past Sunday, and and it was great. Right before we get to calling it Stormy Monday, Brandon, wanted to ask in a more general level, uh, what's it like for you as a fairly young and non-regular preacher to step in on a Sunday morning when it's not your regular gig? How does that, how does that feel? Bring us in. Um, I actually really enjoy it. Um, Mm -hmm. I guess I get my, so I'm preaching at uh, Liberty Mainline this week. So this is my first time going back to back. Nice. Um, So I'll get a little view of what it means to 
you know, be, I guess, a little more regular. Right. In that sense. Um, I actually, you know, I was talking with um, one of our elders when I preach at Mainline in January. Mm-hmm. And I was saying, I really enjoy the prep part of it. And, you know, yeah. it's a little different when I have a couple weeks out and I know ahead of time compared to uh, doing it week in and week out. Right. Preaching. Um, and so I, I think it just gives me a nice, it's, it's easy to do a one-off, you know, type of sermon. I mean, mm-hmm. mine wasn't, mine was in a series. Right. We're doing, but yep. you know, it's a little different. Um, it gets a little different of a pace cause you know, you're spending that time in the text for a couple of weeks yeah. where, yeah. um, someone who regularly preaches is not doing that. Yeah. That's true. It's it it feels different. There's been a couple times in my life when I wasn't preaching on a week to week basis professionally, and as somebody who's for the most part been an every Sunday preacher, when when I don't have that, hey, sermon writing built into my work week and sermon prep, it yeah. feels it it feels a little weird, but it but it goes uh, both ways as well. So, how many how many sermons have you preached, if I can ask? Uh, so this is my fourth. Wow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Just a little baby. Yeah. yeah. You have your baby hands and baby feet when you preach a sermon. <laughs> I will say too, um, this is my first sermon with a live audience. That oh, right. Uh, so my first sermon was like, it wasn't the height of COVID per se, but it was the height of uh, COVID hysteria. Um, I'll say that like more sure. people were... Um, more people were being safe. More people were indoors. Mm-hmm. Churches were, um, a lot of churches I knew were pre-recording and then different parts and then, you know, right. all together. And so, <clears throat> you know, I was, had a meeting with Eric last week and we were talking about, you know, just reviewing the past year and yeah. you know, talking about how I got to preach. And he was like, yeah, and you'll be probably one of the only ones that said, you know, I had to record my first sermon and then uh, right. and, and good you know, times the, the previous two other times were live streaming and they weren't necessarily uh the only other people that were there were other people who are part of the service yeah uh so yeah it was nice to look in people's faces <laughs> what yeah what last what was it like question here in two parts brandon what what was it like first time preaching to live audience and also it's only been a handful of times that i've preached with my parents in the room in my entire yeah preaching ministry what what's it like for your for the old man and the old lady to be around yeah um great to meet them by the way yeah uh i think sorry say the first question again was it like preaching to a live audience and then yeah when the live audience included mom and dad uh so the um the live audience was nice i think because like there's certain feedback yeah um, and so before i became or went to seminary and uh started down the ministry path i was mm-hmm. a teacher and so like i feel like when i was up teaching i always looked for feedback from students to right see if they're engaged and to see uh reactions now it's a little different because i'm not taking live questions <laughs> throughout my sermon but <laughs> i'm definitely looking at people's faces and expressions that they're making yeah um and then having your parents um yeah that's a little bit different it's a little different stress especially when 
um, I didn't grow up in a very religious household. And so mm-hmm. um, there's always something I enjoy that Liberty churches do is like the approach to apologetically, um, you know, draw people in who aren't um, people of the faith. Right. Yeah. We want to be hospitable to non-Christians in the room. Yeah. It's not just those folks out there, but they're in our midst. Yeah. Yeah. So, and especially, you know, being a part of Westminster, like that's always their mm-hmm. approach to. Right. Yeah. Well, you, you did a great job and we are calling it stormy Monday. So Brandon, you preached from first Kings 19 verses one through eight or one through nine. And yeah, it was a solid sermon, man. You were fitting into the Elijah cycle of sermons here at Liberty Collingswood. What were some of the big burdens or big ideas that you were wrestling with this past week and wanted to get across on Sunday? Uh, Yeah. So the title was under a broom tree. Right. There's this part where Elijah is, you know, running away because he's fearing for his life after he did these miracles uh, because the queen and king of Israel had threatened him. Mm -hmm. And I think the hardest part to answer was, uh, and when you read different commentaries, there was like, okay, why was he fearful? Yeah. He obviously had seen, you know, right before this, God do this incredible miracle Mm -hmm. and destroy all his enemies. So then why does he need to be afraid of his enemies at this point? And so many of them looked at different things of like, well, was it his life? Like, was he actually fearful for his life? Yeah. If he wanted to be like to die, why didn't, why wouldn't he just stay there? Mm -hmm. And, um, and so it was kind of like wrestling through that of like, Oh, there's not this, there's an ambiguous fearfulness that he's having. Um, yeah. And I kind of went the way of like, and I was trying to make this inference that he was fearful because he was so focused on, you know, at this point, the nation of Israel is, you know, serving and worshiping the, uh, the God of, of Canaan, Baal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he was hoping for this big repentance to come and he didn't see it. Right. And because of that, I, I saw, I felt like he was fearful and afraid because like he did all these wonderful things, but nothing happened or came of it. Right. Yeah. Which, uh, which seems and feels real as people (laughs) that do ministry in the church. And yeah, Brandon, what, what you said and how you interpreted Elijah felt, felt resonant to me with the text itself. There's a one of my favorite current literary critics is a guy named James Wood, who's not a person of faith. He's a literary critic for the New Yorker primarily. He's English, grew up in a very Christian household. So it's interesting to me for somebody to read about his Christian upbringing, but he doesn't you know, identify that way right now. But he and a couple other people have talked about how in ancient literature, and this is true of the scriptures as well, there's just a lot less interiority of character. Whereas modern readers were just used to reading fiction and all kinds of stories. And it's just intuitive to us to like look for psychological depth, but it's just not there in the same way. And it's not just Bible, it's the Aeneid, it's 
Iliad Odyssey, all yeah. like all those, you know, we don't get the windows in. So it's tricky for preachers to like, we don't want to treat these biblical characters as blank, but then also we want to be careful not to fill in too much about what's going on when the text just doesn't say. Yeah. Yeah. That is the tough part. <laughs> right. So we're, we're doing hard things, Brandon, we have the toughest jobs in the world, buddy. So, you know, it's, it, it, it looks easy to be us, but sometimes it's actually really difficult. So anyway, the other question for me about calling it story Monday, Brandon here, and always when I preach, there are things that go right and go wrong in the course of a work week and a life week in preparing for a sermon. Was there anything, and it's okay if the answer is no, was there anything in particular going on life-wise that influenced how that sermon was constructed? Um, I mean, I think, and I think a lot of people COVID wise feel this or like, mm -hmm. you know, I, I have personally just felt like, you know, I don't know if lonely is the right word or mm -hmm. whatever, but I, <clears throat> I felt I have like the past like month or so just felt down about stuff. Yeah. And not anything in particular, like, it's just like, uh, like, you know groundhog day again right <laughs> and, right yeah um and i was kind of talking to my wife about this like i think every time i have either preached for you guys or at mainline i always have this kind of depressing text um <laughs> and so the charlie like, brown of preachers yeah um and so like you know it's just like this i had this mood of like and like there's you know different culturally things that are happening that like just frustrated and right frustrated with. yeah yeah no it's a weird time and starting to read more and more articles and reflections about you know what are gonna if so if long COVID is a medical condition yeah that, that we're trying to get a handle on there's also just the psychological effects of long COVID in that direction too and so what's what how are we going to be what's life going right. to look like and how are we going to continue to process everything that's that's happened and I think yeah loneliness for sure is is part of what we're dealing with and will continue to do so which leads us to Sun Studios how the sermon got made I met her in church when we go deeper into the Bible text in this case from first Kings 19, Brandon, what was it as you engaged with this particular sermon text that drove you to focus on intimacy with God and what you just said, I think is part of it. Like loneliness is one of those flip sides, but yeah, intimacy with God. How did that jump out to you in these verses? Yeah, I think uh, his, his intimacy, what really drew me to it was his mm -hmm. intimacy in verse four. Okay. Where, uh, you know, it talks about he went into the wilderness, mm -hmm. sat down under this broom tree. Right. Kind of just cries out. Yeah. And I tried to hit this a little bit. And this is like, you know, I understand I'm the, uh, I try not to be too much of the seminary student who, like, oh, let me show you these new things I have learned and taught, you know. Wow. wow. <laughs> Uh, I, have, I, I have spent time with this concept for as long as like 72 hours. I learned this on Wednesday <laughs> yeah. and here we go. <laughs> um, 
but th- th- there's this like you know this phrase where it says like take away my life and mm-hmm. you you don't get and this is the trouble too when like talking about like translations of what yeah. bible versions to buy and read and whatnot is you don't get this emotional sense that like um that in hebrew and in greek sometimes that they have this deep emotional sense that is attached to them yeah depending on the form that they're in Mm -hmm. and that's what you see like this deep intimacy of and you see it throughout the psalms too of like just crying out to god in this like honest prayer that is given yeah so verse four elijah says it is enough now O lord take away my life for i am no better than my father's so shocking that so far in the Elijah cycle of stories, he's been a hero of faith and done awesome things and yeah. used powerfully by God. And then there's this Job or Jonah like moment of just saying like, I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. Take, yeah. take my life. And yeah, that's, that's where you went and you coupled it, Brandon, with this whole idea of, of the broom tree and, and not to get all seminary, on this, but that, but you, you, you did a great biblical theological survey of uh, broom tree and trees earlier in the scriptures, wood early in the scriptures, and then later and, and related it to the cross. So, you know, walk us through how you mind that metaphor and the reality of the broom tree in the literal sense of First Kings nineteen in your sermon on Sunday. Yeah. Um, I actually didn't know what a broom tree was, so I looked it up. I I wouldn't know either. Yeah, and it's like a makes brooms. Yeah, <laughs> it's like a shrubberyish tree. A shrubbery. Uh, and so I was like, all right, I've never. And I just started, you know, researching and like, um, you know, doing a little bit of a word study. Mm-hmm. and that's you know if you don't know what that is that's where you take word and you look at other verses where it appears yep. and you know so the verses that it appears it appears in job and mm-hmm. then it appears in uh psalm 120 and then it appears again in uh you know genesis 21 where that's you know this famous story of where sarah and abraham kick out hagar and ishmael and yeah they run huh. out of food right and end up underneath a tree to die and it's a broom tree yeah huh nice and i know from what i've read is it like people can translate it as like a bush or mm-hmm. a broom tree um broom so bush doesn't sound as good though yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah and, the, and then tell me about uh brandon how you brought that image forward connected it with being cursed and then you got to the cross it was skillfully done yeah so there's this part uh you know there's this whole list in uh the mosaic law and deuteronomy mm-hmm. it talks about all these things being cursed right and one of the things it talks about being cursed is a man who hangs beneath a tree mm-hmm. and <clears throat> You know, as we move forward into the New Testament in the life of Jesus, like yeah. we obviously know he is hung on a tree on the cross. Right. Um, and Paul in Galatians, I think it is. I think you're he right. Yeah. Ca- 
he connects this of like yeah christ became our ultimate curse Mm -hmm. under the tree so that we are no longer a curse yeah and then he quotes um the uh, deuteronomy verse Mm -hmm. in there too yeah yeah i thought it was great man and so Brandon, Brandon is at Westminster Seminary, the, sem- the same seminary that I went to. And it, I think it's one of the emphases of this particular school. But Brandon, I was listening on my sweaty run that I just got back from <laughs> listening to a sermon from a really prominent preacher that it was a great sermon in a ton of different ways. I'm going to share it with a couple of people that came to mind when I was listening but it didn't get to the cross. It was like a 52 minute sermon. And I just kind of kept waiting for, and he talked a lot about Jesus too, and said a lot of good, true, powerful things, but just never got to Jesus crucified and resurrected and why we need that grace, forgiveness and renewal. And so it's always mystifying. It's, it's sort of like, it's a meal that just doesn't come together, but then you're billed at the end. (laughs) Like, wait a second, something's missing here. So I thought it was, it was uh, both, always necessary and specifically on this Sunday, Brandon, skillfully, skillfully woven in, in a really organic way, which is the best way to bring Jesus yeah. crucified and resurrected into a story. Yeah. That's a, <clears throat> I think the one thing I am super glad about Westminster mm-hmm. is how connected they see everything in scripture. Yeah. You know, uh, one story, one author. And like uh, Tim Keller will talk about this too. Like if you, aren't preaching the cross like you're missing out on the whole text right and um and he draws this from his days at westminster of um dr Clowney, mm-hmm. and edmund Clowney. his book is blanking my mind right now but he i think it's called the unfolding of the unfolding mystery yeah yeah that's and a like, great book <laughs> and like his whole thing is too is like if you aren't preaching from the cross then you're missing the whole text um yeah so no matter what text that is and, and no matter if yeah. the text is explicitly referenced in the cross we've we've got to get there yeah i think of old mothers and fathers in the faith when been going to church their whole lives and i live across the street i'm looking out right now brandon of a methodist church and they they have more silver hairs than than, than, than Liberty Collingswood does. But I think there's something beautiful to watch these old folks shuffling into church, as I'm sure they've done for decades. And I know some of those folks, and they say what keeps me going to church is I, I want to hear about Jesus every Sunday, um, yeah. how, much he, how much he loves me, how much he cares for me, how powerful he is still at work in the world. And that's the story that we need to hear. So you brought us there and it was great, Brandon, from this Sunday. Anything else? I met her in church from the text before we muddy the waters a little bit. Uh, no. Okay. So let us arise and eat and go to muddying the waters. Uh, so the flip side that I thought, Brandon, you dealt with really skillfully on Sunday. If intimacy with God is something that you hit a lot, you all you paired that with how ingratitude can be an issue in our lives, both for Christians and non-Christians. Tell me a little bit more why ingratitude and how does that bring us off track in multiple ways? Yeah, I think, you know, if we are ungrateful to something, well, Mm -hmm. I think ultimately gratitude is a humbling, a super humbling position. 
Yeah. Because I think it realizes That's interesting. that uh, if someone does something to me and I thank them, like I have to be grateful for the work and I have to be humble that like I didn't do it. Yeah. Um, and I think, um, and I use the text of Romans 1 21 mm-hmm. to show this that like Paul could have listed all these things. And when we think of, you know, great sins or like, you know, the prime, well, one, I saw one person say like the primary sin. Mm-hmm. And this, you know, when we think of primary sin, we think of like, you know, pride or greed. And we would sure. think pride like would the flagrant be, fouls kind of yeah, thing. And we think pride would be the big thing. But like Paul lists not honoring and being ungrateful to what God mm-hmm. has done. And I, so what it does is like, you know, it turns us into these people who, if we're not thankful for what God has done, we turn into these people that like, oh, I don't need God to do this or like, and I think in more modern texts, it's like, well, I did this myself, you know, yeah. the, uh, you know, like if you think about like your college education and all the hard work you put into it, it's like, mm-hmm. well, I did all the hard work and I deserve this because I did the hard work. Yeah. When in reality, it's turned of like God provided all these things for you to be able to do it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's something, and I want to be careful to say that I am very often in this boat myself, so I'm not just talking about those people over there, but yeah. I, I think there is a particular ugliness to an ungrateful Christian Yeah, where it's, it's an oxymoron. Um, and it, yeah, really interesting, Brandon, to, to hear you tie gratitude with humility. We, we can't have one without the other. Yeah. And I think, especially in the, uh, the ungrateful christian i think it just shows like <clears throat> i think honestly there's a lot of it in the american church right now i'm not saying liberty collinswood specifically but i'm saying the big c church broader <laughs> gotcha yeah i just think it's like this idea of like the way i worship the way i do things the way i serve people mm-hmm. or even the ethics i live by is um you know, is greater or is better than what, you know, cr- that Christian over there is living by or that yeah. Christian over there. Yeah. Yeah. Comparison is part of that for sure. And do you have any thoughts too, Brandon, in gratitude as it relates to the non-Christian or somebody who's skeptical about spirituality, spiritual realities? I thought you had good engagement with that front too. Yeah. Um, I think when it comes to the, I guess the faith seekers, I like to call them. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is a tough question to answer. <laughs> I, I think they're just, their gratitude just turns to themselves. Like they, you know, in, in general, they can be thankful for stuff, mm-hmm. but I think, the problem is they're 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 missing the ultimate point of thankfulness, which is God. And yeah. you know, when you miss the ultimate point of thankfulness, then you you're not able to be humble and be ultimately thankful. Yeah, uh, for who did it. 
Yeah, I think that's true. And there's a relationship between gratitude and thankfulness. I'd have to think a little bit more about is is one deeper than the other. But I think it goes back to C.S. Lewis. And maybe, maybe I read that years ago via maybe a John Piper desiring God type of type mm. of book. But as we come to God in Christ by faith, we're able to find a proper place for our gratitude when when there's something deeply completing about being a human being where we're able to thank God for what he's been doing in our lives. I've, I've used the analogy before in sermons where I've been at, whether it's family holidays or otherwise, where we're, you know, Thanksgiving meal sort of thing. And even for people that aren't people of faith, there's, there's this pause when the, the turkey's on the table, the stuffing's well arranged, the, nice red wine is poured into the glasses generations of family and friends are around representing decades of relationship and there's this pause where we say hey does somebody want to say grace um or something along those lines because we feel so grateful in those moments and we need a place to put it and jesus is the center of the story gives us a place to put our gratitude yeah i also Mudding the Waters too, and this relates a little bit, Brandon, to the bar band cover tunes, uh, talking about the Eugene Peterson quote about honest prayer. Uh, that's something that stood out to me in the sermon as, as well. How, how does honest prayer help us? And I read verse four. That's a really honest prayer from Elijah. Tell me more. Yeah. Um, I th- you know, I, I always look at like prayer as like having a conversation with god and i know that's probably a pretty simple way to put it and but you know if if people can't understand it then there's no point in sure talking about it but and i think what honest prayer does even though like god probably knows our our feelings Mm -hmm. but i think on what honest prayer does is allows us it kind of give us in some sense a free a freeing you know, mm-hmm. like when you haven't been honest with someone or when you are um, maybe haven't said something to someone that you love, yeah, you want to love. And when you are honest with them, when it's needed, it in a sense gives us a freeing of like, this is who I truly am. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what Elijah is doing here. Mm-hmm. He's incredibly frustrated about what is happening he feels like he's uh and i think i compared at one point i compared it to the um prodigal son mm-hmm. the older brother and the prodigal son right and his right. honesty <clears throat> you know being honest with god i think allows us to be able to properly engage our emotions and our mm-hmm. spirituality and like if we're not honest, then we're not, we're not able to properly engage that. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's true. And I think that also relates to the intimacy with God aspect that you were talking about a little bit yeah. earlier too, Brandon. So your your daughter Florence is still on the young end of the child <laughs> spectrum. One of our kids in particular is really struggling, has really struggled this school year with just the the zoom so a couple of our kids are yeah like zoom school is fine but then for a couple others it's like this is just 
not life-giving to me <laughs> right yeah. now and and so even even this morning just getting the kids like motivated to do covid school is difficult and we can see the toll that it's taking on our kids but i still would love to be able to hear more from them about like why it's hard like i know it's hard i know what they're yeah. feeling I, I can see it but i long for conversation and, and you know at 7 a.m. on a on a Tuesday morning after a long Memorial Day weekend, that that's not the tailor-made time for heart-to-hearts with your adolescent children. Uh, but but longing for an intimacy, just just to hear and be able to connect with my own kids and their own pain. And I think that's an echo. I hope yeah. of how our Heavenly Father wants us to come to Him in our pain, like even if we don't have great stuff to say it's good to say it and Jesus covers us uh, by grace. So yeah, ma'am, that was really good stuff. Let's skip in to bar band cover tunes here. So I mentioned the Eugene Peterson quote. What else do I have here? A nice little J.I. Packer talking about what it means to be regenerated uh, and born, uh, born into the kingdom of God by mm-hmm. faith. Where, where do you get that Packer quote? And where do you get that Peterson quote? Um, oh, that's a good question. Um, I pretty Your sure regular you... podcast listener. You knew this was coming, Brandon. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Helen Wolf. <laughs> I honestly was just, I actually think I got the, um, Jay Packer quote from a, another sermon that talked about regeneration. Nice. Like I was just looking for something that explained it well, but yeah. I feel like I can in my own words. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah and, and 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 that's one of the reasons why quotes are quotes are good when you can find somebody yeah. uh that's respected i don't think everybody at liberty collings would particularly knows who j.i packer is but he's been a yeah. been a voice i actually of think Grace it's and from Truth. his um concise theology book oh yeah that's that's a really good one i've i've um, used that for study groups over the years and it did a great job of explaining what you were talking about so yeah. more, more power to you and then i'm pretty sure um the Eugene Peterson is from the Long Obedience. Oh yeah, and um, which is Long Obedience in the same direction. Psalms of Psalms. Uh, I was going to say Psalms of Offense. I hope not. Psalms of Ascents. Yeah, it's so it's known as Psalms of Sense, and I actually think it's talking about um, Psalm one twenty, which also mm-hmm. references a broom tree and this uh, call of distress that the psalmist is feeling. Do you, do you have that reference off the top of your like where in Psalm 120 is broom tree? It's not coming to mind. Uh so it's in verse four. Uh so it says uh the arrows, the sharp arrows of the or sorry, the arrows of the warrior are sharp with coals of the broom tree. Ah, interesting. Very good. Cool. So 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 you got Eugene Peterson for us from long obedience in the same direction. I wasn't familiar. You, you quoted from somebody named Milton Vincent towards the end of the sermon. Who's a, who's old Milt? Yeah. So he actually is a current pastor. Oh, Um, okay. And he wrote this was a vintagey sounding name, but I like it. Yeah. Go ahead. He wrote this book called a A gospel primer for Christians. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think it just looks at, um, you know, basics of Christianity. Yeah. And one of his things he talks about is serving 
mm-hmm. um, you know, serving and serving the poor and serving those in need. And that's kind of what he is hinting at in this um, is talking about, you know, this kind of like cycle of serving the poor of yeah. like, yeah, when I serve the poor, you know, Jesus calls me to go and serve the poor, but also in the poor, I see my uh, poverty yeah. that I have in that how God serves me and gives me my riches mm-hmm. in Christ and on the cross. Yeah. Awesome. Milton Vincent added to pastors that probably doesn't get quoted very much. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know people would say the same thing about us. So yeah. it, 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 it's all good. Uh, nice bar band cover tunes, guitar slim picking, speaking of references. And so when I preach, I get annoyed when I see people on their phones texting other people during sermons. But I did the same thing, Brandon, when you were preaching this Sunday. <laughs> At a certain point during the sermon, I, I texted Eric Mitchell and said, in the history of Liberty Collingswood, this is the first Cornelius Van Til reference that's ever yeah. <laughs> been perpetrated upon the congregation. So yeah, that 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 was great. Howlin' Wolves, let us know if anybody out there is going to take up Brandon's challenge to read Van Til on on Romans one. But that 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 was a nice deep cut there, buddy. Good for you. Yeah. <laughs> it's you, probably because I just took um uh Dr. Oliphant, Dr. Scott yeah. Oliphant, uh Christian apologetics class. Right. And uh, pretty much the whole class is about Van Til. So, yes. <laughs> and uh, I'm somebody that, you know, sue me. I'd like Cornelius Van Til a lot as well. Tough guy to read, man. Yes. That, that, that guy should have written in English for a change. <laughs> yeah. But, but a good guy at the same time. Yeah. Let's see. Guitar Slim Pickens. We pointed you to Kagan Kitchen after the the sermon for for your victory feast. Uh, But they were, were they closed with, like, was it a private party or like I went online and didn't see anything? Yeah, it must have been because there's cars out there. And then, okay. uh, But not for you. No soup for you. Okay. And then Poor House, uh, you went to the Poor House in West Manhattan Township. And Brandon, you texted me and Eric about crab fries and how it was a new thing. Yeah, so for, for the in-laws, uh, I have been introduced for, to crab fries. You know, going to a couple Phillies games, right, and having uh, chicken peats. Yep. There, where, and then my dad ordered crab fries, and he was like, "What are crab fries?" And mm. I was just like, "Well, it's just Old Bay seasoning and cheese sauce." Yeah. <laughs> yeah for 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 non-locals and there 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 are no crabs in crab fries yeah, zero crabs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i'm actually not a huge i i think like you know if i'm at a phillies game sure maybe if i'm on the boardwalk and there's a chicken and pizza in ocean yeah. city or something like I'm, I'm usually good with with just a couple of crab fries but i don't know what what's your take on crab fries i like them okay i think more so because of uh i'm a huge cheese fan so like Hmm. anytime i can dip cheese or something into cheese it's a win-win for me (laughs) (laughs) it's it's a global victory i like it so that that's what we had for guitar slim pickings i I wanted to go back to your shirt brandon 
uh, wild thing the song in major major league was one of my favorite movies in middle school and so i saw it first run which i assume you you did not but but i caught it i caught it in the theaters and when when ricky vaughn comes out against the yankees well i guess it's not just then but i i believe i could be mistaken helen will tell me if if i'm wrong the song wild thing is a garage rock song from the 1960s by the trogs if i'm not mistaken t-r-o not trogs the brewery but the trogs t-r-o-g-g-s so that's what we had for 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 today brandon any other guitar slim pickings before we go to encore uh well i was just gonna say uh, major league was out before i was born so hey Oh man, so many major league stories. I I just dated myself. The uh, have have you seen Major League Two? I have not. I have it, seen the original Major League. Yes. Okay. Major, major the drop off in comedy quality from Major League to Major League Two uh, is drastic and crushing. So I was so excited to see Major League Two in the theaters with my buddies, and we we just walked out thinking like we've been robbed of money. So, but, but, but the first major league, I feel like a banker in these clothes all the time. So here we are encore. We have speaking of great places to eat An email came our way post Sunday blues at gmail.com from Scott title Elijah eats at Olive Garden. So here we go. Brandon, what's, what's your take on Olive Garden? Is it, the best Italian restaurant in the world or just the best restaurant in the world? Um, probably the best restaurant in the world. <laughs> the best restaurant in the world. <laughs> so, so, so two parts here. I'd asked last week, hey, how are people doing and what are they learning from this little sermon series from Elijah? Uh, Scott said, I've been deeply enjoying it. Thanks, buddy. Really connected with the Yahweh Elijah versus Baal Ahab battle. Speaking to our cultural moment and to a lot of ways, I seek out other gods in my own life instead of clinging to Yahweh. Appreciated the stuff about the God things, where God shows up in Elijah's life. And Scott mentions uh, where there were God things when he had his own prodigal son moments, uh, both here and abroad. Uh, Talked to about Israel's backsliding and God's faithfulness as we see it in this story and in the scriptures and scott writes the ark of redemption of god is truly amazing and the fact that he loves me even though i turn to other gods is easily the biggest god thing he has done in my life amen brother thanks for sending that in and yeah other helen wolves if there are things that you've been learning that God's been showing you through this sermon series on Elijah, including from Brandon Best's sermon this past Sunday. It was the, Brandon, I've been trying so hard not to make a pun on your last name, but as somebody <laughs> that, that whose last name is punned all the time, I it preach the, ang- I preach the angriest sermons at Liberty Collingswood, but Brandon, you preach the best. Scott also talks about in his email, an instance where he brought his Italian grandfather and grandmother to Olive Garden because it's like, Hey, authentic Italian food. And Scott mentions that it didn't go the way that they had planned (laughs) after the meal. We asked my grandpa what he thought. And the man who had my grandma's amazing cooking for 50 plus years 
responded with in Italian, never take me here again. The food tastes <laughs> like sewage, but used a, a less nice word for it. So, okay, Brandon, we are going to go to Olive Garden right after this. I did want to say too, thanks for, thanks for listeners. And we always love to hear from you. Uh, this past week, Brandon, this is a special recording of the post sunday blues a preaching post-mortem i don't know why maybe holiday weekend or whatever but we actually just had our best week ever in terms of of total downloads and nice. may has been our our strongest month so thanks for people that have been downloading and listening feel free to share with a friend either old-fashioned verbally by text put it on social media we're excited about how God is growing this ministry of Liberty Church Collingswood. Let us know that you're out there. Say hi. Brandon, thank you for being Hair Club for Men here. You're not only the president of this podcast, but you're also a client. Thanks for being a Alan Wolf yourself. Yeah. And yet, you have anything else here as we wrap up with our closing vamp? Uh, no, I don't. I feel like we should go out with the the wild thing song, but how was it? That was amazing. Thanks so much for joining us. This has been the Post Sunday Blues, a preaching post mortem production of Liberty Collingswood. Go ahead, rate, review, and subscribe, and you can find all things Liberty Collingswood at libertycollingswood.org. No more post-Sunday blues. Here comes some pre-Sunday happy. Well,